Hey folks, this is actor-musician author Scott Schiaffo here, best known to you indie film fans as the Chulies Gum Guy from Kevin Smith's Clerks, and as Travis Lee from Brian Johnson's film Vulgar. You're listening to Throbbing with Aura. you gore fiends and horror hounds this is brett from dimension z joined as i am every week by greg of the dead how you doing man good how you doing uh not bad um good morning yeah, good morning <laughs> it's a it, this is a 11 a.m on a saturday uh podcast i had to set an alarm because i wasn't feeling good the other day that's why we didn't record that day and then it's always Greg's like, okay, then 11 a.m. Saturday. I'm always like, fuck. <laughs> that's, that's me getting back at you for canceling. Fine, you have to wake up early now. Yeah, so I set an alarm uh, to watch the rest of the movie that I didn't finish last night and then record. So here I am. I'm actually way more awake than I usually am. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Um. So, yeah, Hellraiser, 1987. Yeah, um, written directed Clive Barker. This is a weird one for me, I'm not gonna lie, Brett, because, and I think most people, if they're aware of Hellraiser and then went to watch it, I think they'd have the same reaction. Yeah, where it's, well, even like, um, when I, we just went to Steel City Con, and I watched Doug Bradley's panel, and he was talking about the first movie, and he was like, yeah, we're in it for like 10 minutes, but like, they built everything around us. Yeah, it's... Pinhead is barely in the movie. Yeah, it's literally like 10-15 minutes at the very most. And most of it's centered around, like, it's supposed to be like almost a new, like, kind of Betsy Palmer kind of thing with uh, Julia. Yeah, I think uh, Bruce and Jaws got more screen time than Pinhead did in the first (laughs) Hellraiser. Yeah, and but uh, every line that he says is immediately classic. Oh yeah, and memed to death. Yeah. What what are your over, like early thoughts you want to get out before we jump into it? Oh, this is one that I believe the first time I saw it, I was like in high school, so I've been watching it for like a few, was quite a few years now. And like this wasn't a middle school or like elementary school find because I remember like knowing of Pinhead in like elementary school, but being like that looks extremely scary, like. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't see Pinhead, in, I mean Pinhead, I didn't see Hellraiser until much later. I had that same reaction I was talking about now, I'm like, oh, okay. And then the movies take a turn to where they try to make him more of a focal point, and then the movies take a really weird turn, and they go to space, and yeah, the, the franchise, most of these slasher, and I wouldn't count this, but I'm just throwing it in there, in the spirit of it, like franchises turn weird after the first few always or like once they get into the 90s yeah or once they find what they want it to be about yeah and then they're like oh okay this is what it's about you know like even part two has like some more pinhead and cinnabite stuff in it and then like part three has even more but part three is not as good as part one and two even though there's more cinnabite stuff like i i like the julius and like frank stuff in this Oh, yeah, I do, too, and part of me almost wishes, like, that would be its own movie, kind of. It is its own movie, but, like, almost separated from all the Hellraiser stuff. 
Right. Where, like, I know, uh, like, at least this one, the, like, story that it came off of, like, the Cenobites and stuff, I believe, were still going to be in there. It's not like Hellraiser, like, 5 or whatever it was, like, when they just start jamming them into scripts they don't belong in, being like, oh, yeah. this is a space movie, let's shove Hellraiser in there so we can keep the property. Exactly, just so they retain the license to it. But, you want to get into the movie itself? Yes. Is this Clive Barker's first movie? Ah, I think so. If it's not, I'm not like, I like Clive Barker, but I'm not like a diehard. Like, I know some people are. Like, I listen to a, a couple different podcasts. It used to be Shockwaves, and now it's uh, a different one or something because that one got canceled. <laughs> um, but, like, the one host on there is like a diehard Hellraiser fan. And, like, it's fun to listen to her talk about it. But I'm always sitting there being like, yeah, but part three kind of sucks, <laughs> you know? And, I know, like, uh, he did, like, a lot of research into, like, BDSM clubs and, like, leather clubs in the 80s. Like, he went there for quote-unquote research. Oh, for sure. And honestly, though, it shows. And it's, one, I do think it might be his first one. Because the begin on my DVD, it's, it has a, a quote from a critic or something. It's like, there's a new face of horror and his name is Clive Barker or something like that. Okay. So, this might be his first. I could easily check that, but I didn't. But I also think he has a thing for hooks, because he also yes. wrote Candyman. Oh, that's right. Very true. So, yeah. He likes hooks digging into flesh, and, like, his visual style is just so great. And, like, I, listeners know, and you know, Greg, like, I have a huge thing for body horror, because it's the last thing that will still, like, make me go, like, ugh. And this entire movie is just, like, a ew. Like, everything's slimy and sticky. Yeah, and Wait, sweaty wait, wait. and gross. Yeah, and, like, Candyman, too, because, like, that's a double dose for me, because I hate bees, and I hate body horror. Well, I love body horror, but it freaks me out. And Candyman has both, because he's filled with bees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that one would get you bad. Um, so, the bondage stuff really shows through in this, and I don't know if there's more to it than just, oh, he's using bondage, like, and making a scary metaphor for it. Because he's like, there's so much pleasure in pain, and of course they all look like weird dominatrix suits almost that they're all wearing, and there's the hooks and the chains and all that stuff, and it's it's interesting. I want like a psychologist to sit down with Clive Barker and get oh what he was really going through with all this. Like, what he was into, what he was thinking of, all that stuff. They're going to want to be separated by, like, plexiglass, being like, okay, you stay over there, Clive, and let's talk about your leather and, like, ribs. The, for some reason, you love ribs, like... <laughs> yeah, he really does. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with being into this, but it's... Yeah. He has a fixation on it, 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so, the beginning, we get the Clive... called Clive Barker's Hellraiser, black and white title card, and then the opening credits. Yeah, very, um, just black and white credits. It reminds you of, like, the, Friday, the early Friday the 13th. Yeah, exactly. They just put it right out there and play some spooky music. And then, what's the box called? Is that the, oh. um, Lament configuration? Yes. Okay. And we see that being bought by Frank, who will come be a major player through this whole movie. Um, kind of in a weird, like, Indiana Jones-esque setting. Yeah, and it looks like he's paying like uh, like $30,000 or something for this. He has like this giant stack of money that he's like passing on to this like merchant. Yeah. Not only does this guy get to get rid of this 
curse box, he also gets paid a bunch for it. It's a win-win. Well, that's a question I have for the end, where it's that weird ending, and then the box Oh, yeah. Back. I have a question about that when we get to it. Yeah. He's at his house, he's playing with the box in candles, like a seance-looking type thing, almost. And then the hooks come out once he gets the weird configuration to it, and he's hooked and torn apart and killed. And then we see, like his face kind of being reassembled by Pinhead, but just the yeah. fleshy parts. Yeah, he's just kind of putting them together, where I love, um, it's like a little weird thing, where Pinhead's like going through all the flesh, but it's like if I'm looking for like a certain movie and my desk is cluttered, he's just like, is this it? No, and he throws it aside, and he's like rifling through, like, like you would a junk drawer, but it's just like human. <laughs> it's like he's trying to find a matching sock with the pieces of yeah. Frank. It's like, oh, I'm looking for a battery. No, nah, it's not a battery. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And there's hooks and blood and weird spinning pillars everywhere. The box closes, Pinhead closes the box, and then the room just becomes empty. Yeah, I love the random, like, pain pillars. Like, that's what I kept, like, calling them in my head the entire time. It's just, like, they're wrapped in barbed wire. It's like Mick Foley's gonna sh- jump out real quick. <laughs> Have a nice day. Bang, bang. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, the Cenobites, and then it's Mick Foley, but it's him when he was Dude Love, so he doesn't, like, fit in. It's not even Mankind. It's Dude Love. <laughs> I like it. Then we get this couple, and it's kind of confusing at the beginning, the relationship of all these characters. So let's break this down real quick. Right. Larry is the husband moving into this house. Right. Julia is his British wife. Right. Larry's daughter is Kirsty, but Julia is not Kirsty's mom from a previous marriage or previous fling, something like that. Yeah, it, the most evil stepmother. Yes, and Frank is Larry's brother, who also had an affair with Julia ongoing, unbeknownst to Larry. I think that covers it all, right? Yeah, uh, an affair on top of the wedding dress. <laughs> yeah, how fucked up is that? That's like, Jesus, why are you marrying Larry if you hate him this bad? Yeah, where like it's like almost like she Frank comes into her life. He's like, "Hey, I'm Frank. I have a switchblade and a cool leather jacket." And she's just like, "Ah, oh, take me." And you know, it's like we watch a lot of horror movies, and typically what they would do for this style of setup is they would make Larry be a piece of shit, right? And then you get it. But no, for the most part, I think he's I think he's kind of dickish at one point, but overall, super nice guy. Yeah, like, they bicker, like, a little bit, but mostly it's him, like, taking care of her and, like, oh, let's, like, cuddle and watch a movie and, you know, I'm moving us in. Look at this house I got us, you know, and she could, like, care less. Now, don't get me wrong. He is so awkward and weird sometimes. I'm like, okay, I can see it. Yeah, I I have sex on the wedding dress, too. But, like, what is like, do you want a cookie, little girl? (laughs) It's the weirdest shit in the world, which we'll get to. But... So that's our whole dynamic of who pretty much all of our main cast is. Um, they're moving in, and I guess it's still Larry, it was their parents' house, and Larry was still living there. Not Larry. Frank was still living there at the time, right? The brother who we saw pulled apart. Yeah, he was, like, squatting in the house, it almost looked like. Okay. And Julia doesn't seem into this house at all, but Larry seems very optimistic and glad about it. Oh, we can fix it up. It's nice. There's maggots and rats and stuff everywhere burn it down yeah when he hears like a rustling sound in the kitchen and look like opens the door and it's just a platter of maggots around a bone with like cockroaches everywhere and he's like yep home sweet home yeah he realizes frank's been there at that point but like 
that doesn't mean he's been there recently. That stuff looks like it's been there for months. It also looks like for this movie, I want to like give a little like congratulate, like good good on you movie where they uh, it looks like they used real maggots where like they have those sterile ones where it's like if an actor like eats it, it's it's not going to make them sick. Yeah. Um, a lot of movies like because I have a bearded dragon and I have yeah. Pac-Man frogs and they eat those like super worms. And so many of these movies use super worms as uh, maggots. But now that I know, like, and I'm around superworms so much, every time I see them, I'm always like, <laughs> that's funny. No, what's what's the difference I, as uh, someone who doesn't know this? Well, superworms are, like, really long and, like, kind of yellow and black. The maggots are, like, little tiny and white. And I'm, oh, okay. And I, the superworms, I would guess, are, would be cheaper. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense, then. Yeah. So you're saying they use they didn't use those and they use maggots. Yeah, good on the movie. They actually used real maggots, it looks like. Oh, good. Now, remember how I just went over all the characters' relationships to each other so it's not confusing? Right. This all, that was all for nothing because I'm still confused about this part. Because <laughs> the daughter Kirsty calls and she's not staying with them. She found a room. So why are they all moving to the same town but not together? What's going on here? Well, I'm almost taking that Christy doesn't like Julia. Like, those two do not get along. Oh, yeah, they don't seem like they do at all. No, Kirsty, sorry, not Christy. Very good. I wasn't coming at you for it. No, I caught myself. Bad breath. <laughs> <laughs> but, so she's not staying them. She finds a room. And then a few days later, they're moving in, and she comes to visit. It's the first time all the cast in the same place. The creepiest, like weird movers in the world are helping them move their stuff in and they're not even doing anything they just bring a mattress in leave it there and talk for like 10 minutes yeah we're um the do the well fuck what's his name uh larry yeah larry shouldn't even he shouldn't really even be doing anything at all he hired these movers for a reason but he has like the worst part where he's up on the stairs trying to like He's using all his muscle, and the two workers on the bottom are just kind of, like, half-heartedly pushing until, like, Julia shows up, and then they're like, hey, can you get me a beer? Who said that? Does Larry say that, or the movers say that? The movers say that. They're like, you got beer? And she, oh. uh, that's when, like, Julia, like, stares off into the distance for, like, a minute, and then Larry's like, I guess I'll go do everything. Yeah, that was the one, like, dickish moment I thought of Larry, but even then, it wasn't that, like... Come on, he's on the stairs getting his hand torn open by a nail. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are clearly movers before the age of internet reviews, because they would never be hired again. Oh, no, yeah. These are definitely guys where it's just like, okay, well, yeah, we're, uh, our this company name has, like, too much bad shit about it. Like, people know, like, so-and-so's moving isn't good anymore. They just changed the name, and now everyone's like, oh, look, a new one. So is this where we get, like, the flashback affair reveal in Julia's head of her meeting Frank for the first time as he's coming in for the wedding, and, like, it shows all that going on? Yeah, well, the, they go upstairs, and they find, like, that Frank had been squatting there, and, like, she starts going through, like, old pictures and whatnot, and I believe that's when that happens. Like, it's right around this time. Oh, okay. And that's the, that cut we talk about on his hand. There's like a nail that's not fully in the wall. And when they're pulling that mattress up, he drags his hand across it. And I know this isn't a super like, oh, holy shit effect. But this one honestly made me more than most like decapitations we see. Because I've never been decapitated. I've drugged like myself across like a 
not fully hammered in nail before and everything. And the effect was actually pretty good on it. I was going to say, like, something like that that you've actually kind of experienced is is a lot more, like, it will actually get to you, like you said, over, like, a decapitation or, like, someone's arm getting cut off. It's like when a gauge cuts Judd's Achilles tendon in Pet Cemetery. I feel that way more than, like, oh, look, someone's, uh, Julius's head got knocked off in Part 8. You know, I'm just like, oh, cool. When was the last time a small boy cut your Achilles tendon? What is going on in your life? That doesn't happen to you? No! <laughs> You're not infest- There's not small children infestation in your house? No, like small murderous children? Get away, no. I'm recording. Stop it, Gage. Bad. <laughs> no fear. <And> like- <laughs> <laughs> the floor soaks up, like, all the blood that's dripping onto it, too, and, like, it gets super quiet to where you hear, like, the blood drop on the floor and just, like, soaks it up like a sponge. And they leave to go get stitches. Yeah, Larry, like, and I love how he's, like, running, like, I mean, he's running to his wife being like, help me. Because he has, like, this, like, weird thing with blood where he's going to pass out when he sees it. And he's like, I haven't even looked at it yet. I'm going to pass out. And she's like, you're not going to pass out. You're fine. And then she's like, it's going to need stitches. Like, she's very, like, look what you've done. <laughs> yeah. You big idiot, where's your brother? And yeah. speaking of the brother, he starts reforming here, and it's wild. Yeah, I love the shot when it, like, after, like, the floor absorbs the blood, and you just see, like, the heart just starting to beat under the floorboards as they're leaving. <laughs> yeah, a little Edgar Allan Poe there. Like, I don't know if that was an intentional reference or not. Oh, like Telltale Heart? Yeah, the heart beating under the floor. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that was on purpose or not. But, oh, another funny thing about this movie. Everyone involved in this is British, pretty much, except for, like, some of the cast. Right. It was originally set in Britain, and then the studios were like, what if you could make it America? Right. And it does not feel like America. It feels like Britain or Europe, you know? Because it is shot there. Yeah. So, I, I don't care what that is, but that's what's going on with that. Yeah, they wanted, if I remember right, they wanted it to be in set in, like, Delaware or something like that. One, and what's your huge Delaware audience that you're trying to appease by setting it there? Yeah. I, I was about to do an accent, but I was like, I don't even know what Delaware sounds like. Exactly. It's like the size of like three counties in Pennsylvania. Is that the Wayne's World thing where they're doing all the accents when they're going through like each state and then they get to Delaware? They're like, hi, we're in Delaware. Yeah, and I, then think that, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the Frank reforming scene is really cool. It's literally like a shot backwards type thing, but I like it a lot. Yeah, where it's almost like this primordial, like, ooze-looking stuff is what I took it as, like, comes out of the floor. And then, like, these arms just shoot out. And, like, then he's not It takes its time reforming, where it's really disgusting and it holds on shit. Where, like, his, like, head's not even formed yet while his body is, so his, like, vertebrae's, like, twitching and shit it looks like antenna yeah it's like his nervous system coming back through and everything yeah and then like the head reforms and like he like he like shoves the spinal cord onto the head and it starts screaming yeah it's really cool looking i like it a lot it's all ooey gooey (laughs) (laughs) next we get this look Larry is fearless. He is not worried about being judged in the slightest because they have a dinner party while they're still, I imagine they cleaned up the maggots, but there's still rats all over the place. Yeah, and there's rats in the attic this entire time. Yes, 
And, like, look, you have a mouse or something, you know, it's no big deal, it's normal. Like, set some traps, try to get it, but they have a rat infestation. Yeah. There's a lot of rats. Oh, yeah. And this dinner party, who are these people? Because the one boy seems to be Kirsty's boyfriend. Right. And then a bunch of other randoms. Well, like, two other couples, I'd say. Yeah, well, it's almost like, I don't even know what Larry really does, but he almost seems like a doctor or, like, a businessman type, so I wonder if it's just, like, work colleagues. Oh, uh, okay, that could make sense. That's almost what I probably took it as. And Julia's having none of this. She excuses herself and says, I'm going to go to bed early. Yeah, and is this when uh, she hears a noise, like, in the attic and goes to see, and then that's when, like, the weird, like, corpse comes crawling out at her? Yeah, the, like, 25% formed Frank finds her. Yeah. <laughs> says he needs more blood. I thought you said Frank 5 there for a second. No, the 25% formed Frank. Yeah. Yes. What if he, like, grabs her, like, don't look at me, but then asks her to help and everything, and by help he means murder people. Like, the blood seemed to do the trick. Yeah, which, um, just a few drops of blood brought him to this point, but he has to ki- How many more people do they kill there's like a couple of more guys and it doesn't seem like he's forming enough out of like an entire body of blood. Oh, and then the forming from the blood rules just get thrown out at the end, but maybe this is the easiest like to do like the early stuff. Yeah. Like, okay, this will get me like to a certain point and then I have to do something else. By the way, so Frank drops a few lines. I think it's actually the next time he meets Julia, but I'll just talk about it here, where he's talking about how the Cenobites will come looking for him. He escaped. Right. I gotta say, I think that is the better movie. If we yeah. see Frank escaping through interdimensional like travels from the Cenobites back to Earth and reforms himself, holy shit, that's the movie I want to see. Yeah, do like a crossover of like Near Dark and this, where it's like... Julia and Frank are in, like, an RV, like, riding around, like, the country or whatever, killing people, and, like, the Cenobites are, like, hot on their trail and keep, like, popping up or something. Oh, I didn't even mean that. I just meant, like, Frank basically escaping hell. Oh, just that part. Oh, yeah, where he's, like, maybe crawling through, like, different dimensions and shit, and he's, like, like, forming. I feel like we don't give his credit, his character enough credit because... Holy shit, this some random dude has escaped hell and traveled through dimensions and reformed himself. Frank is a god. Oh yeah, and like we find out later from Pinhead, he's like when uh Kirsty's like, Frank escaped you, and he's like, Nobody escapes. <laughs> yeah, apparently Frank. Just just Frank, he got away. That must have been the intern. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Kirsty and her boyfriend go on a walk. We get this weird guy who's homeless, stare at her, and that's it. He will pop up again a few more times. That homeless man is pops up a few more times, always extremely weirdly. Yeah, the next one I think is the weirdest one with him. No, the, the last one has to be. Well, the weirdest one to... Yeah, I guess so. The, the weirdest realistic one. Yeah, true. When, he, when she still thinks it's a person. Yes. Yeah, of course the last one's the weirdest. Yeah. But... <laughs> She has this actually pretty good nightmare sequence, and, like, I watch these a lot, so as far as, like, creeping me out, feels like I get diminishing returns the more we go with this. This was actually a creepy nightmare sequence with her dad dying and everything. I think I'm, I don't know if I missed that or not. I just remember, like, she has a nightmare, then she calls, but, like, the bed soaked in blood, like, the creepy music, all that kind of stuff. It was just a really well done, everything shot well. I'm like, oh, 
Well done, Clive Barker, new face of horror. Yeah, he's not doing like, okay, what did Nightmare on Elm Street do? Okay, let's do the Wish.com version of that. Well, I will say that I feel like there's a tiny bit of Nightmare influence on this, but I think it's just coincidental because this comes out in 1987. And I think Nightmare was 86, wasn't it? Or was it 84? I don't exactly. I think it might have been 84. Yeah, I think it was 84 because Friday was on their fourth movie. Wait, here we Yeah, it was 1984. So maybe there was some Nightmare influence on it. Yeah. Well, but I didn't really even get too much of it in this because I'm constantly looking for that because Nightmare on Elm Street, like, kind of annoys me. Yeah. Whereas, like, in Friday Part 8, when there's, like, constantly shit jumping up, or it's, like, Nightmare stuff and. Nightmare on Elm Street was so huge, you can feel its influence ripple around, and I definitely got it, but not to where it was, like, a rip-off. I guess that's the best right. way to put it. Yeah, they they did it in their own way. <laughs> yeah. We get to Julia at the bar, and she picks up some random guy at the bar and takes him home, and this guy is a dick, and I'm glad he dies. Yeah, well, uh, this, and the entire time, he has no, like, sense of, like, like uh preservation for himself or whatever like no sense of like something might be wrong here while like this woman brings you back to her house i'm guessing to bang like that's because he immediately like he starts like undressing and like kissing all over her, but she's like giving no sign that he that she wants anything to do with him now yeah she doesn't reciprocate and the slaves push the boy like well that's what you brought me here for right well then what's the problem like okay yeah kill the fucker yeah and uh, let's do it in the dirty attic that has, like, rats running around it all the time with just the line of, I like it on the floor better. It's like, okay, I've always preferred the floor. floor. <laughs> <laughs> she bludgeons him with a hammer, kind of brutally. It's pretty cool. And Frank, again, does a, don't look at me, but then, like, sucks him up, I guess. And he's almost a full muscular system now. Yeah, he like die like digs his fingers into like the the victim's neck and like uses his fingers as like a straw. It seems. Yeah, something weird like that. And now he's just oozing and nasty. And then why does he just reach out and touch her boob? <laughs> oh yeah, where he's like now he's like actually upright and walking, and he's like, I want to touch you. And he's but he's always drippy and slimy, and of course she's going to be like, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then Larry comes home as this is going on. Remember, Julia has blood on her and everything. Like, So she's like, I'm upstairs. I'm not feeling good. She goes in the bathroom. Like, She hides the body. I don't think it actually shows where she does, but it does show her carry the body out, like cover it up and hide it real quick. It's like that room that's like right beside the attic where like it looks like there's just like a bunch of shit shoved in there. Oh, okay. Every, every house has a room like that. Yeah. If you don't, you're way too rich. Like, for hey, me to be hanging out with, I feel like. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People who are, like, perfectly clean houses, I'm like, something's up here. Yeah. This is frightening. What are you up to? <laughs> and then we get the line I mentioned earlier when she, she's in the bathroom. He comes upstairs holding a single cookie unwrapped. So, like, I don't, it clearly wasn't bought somewhere or anything. I don't know why. Just goes to the door and in the weirdest voice goes, Do you want a cookie, little girl? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's really... <laughs> Is it his way of, like, trying to be, like, flirty or, like, funny or something? But he just is such a, like, such an even, like, just, like, drab kind of guy that he's just can't pull it off. It, it's so weird. Um, and that's where we do get our first Cenobite mention, by the way, is Frank Duck and uh, Julia there. Okay. And then we get the second 
encounter with the homeless guy, and this is the one I was talking about. Yeah, where um, Kirsty is well, like she's working at like a pet store. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and she's helping like a customer out, and then like the homeless man is in the corner eating the uh, <laughs> crickets. <laughs> I do like how realistic it was though. Before he came in, this customer's berating her and wanting to see a manager constantly. I'm like, yep, that's realistic. Yeah, even back then, yep, there's a Karen. Yes. And then the homeless guy just walks in, she's like, sir, sir, he's just staring, and then he reaches in and eats the crickets. It's the weirdest thing in the world, just staring at her. He has this big bushy beard, like some of them are stuck in there and everything. And he's doing it slowly, too, where he's like, he has his, like, fist in the cricket cage, and they're just, like, crawling all over it. He just slowly, while making eye contact, is just like, crunch, crunch, crunch. (laughs) (laughs) Chirp, chirp. Yeah. We get to Julia killing another guy for Frank. This one's the one that I'm like, oh, this one didn't do anything wrong. Because he's just like, I just get lonely sometimes. Thanks. Yeah. And she still goes like, oh, not that one. That one's a nice guy. I almost take it as he's the kind of guy, like, maybe his wife died or, like, left him and he still loves her. But now he's just, like, lonely and sad. So he's like, she actually does get him in bed and he just starts crying. But like, I miss my wife. Yeah, I just felt bad for this, dude. I didn't like this one getting killed. No. Um. After that kill, we get kind of the box explained, uh, whatever form Frank is on now, and he explains the Cenobites, and we have a torture scene flashback for him. Right. We get another, like, three seconds of the Cenobites. Yeah, the, and that counts. Every yeah. second counts. <laughs> Larry and Julie are watching TV that night, and they're watching boxing, which is, is kind of a cool little character moment, because he's like, I thought you hated this this stuff like she wouldn't watch like violent sports or anything before and she's like i've seen worse like she's changing through this whole thing well yeah and at this point i think it's after the second kill where it does that like tight like shot on her like head where she's just staring off into space but her hair is so fucking weird where it's like this another bulb on top of her head she looks like the uh aliens from mars attacks A little bit. The hair was up with me, too, and I don't know enough about hair to how to bring it up, so I'm glad you did. Yeah, well, it's like, well, it's definitely, like, this is, like, height, height 80s hair. Yeah, that's going, they hear the noise upstairs, and Julia rightfully freaks out trying to not get him up there, so she's just, she left a window open, Larry's still going up, she stops, I'm afraid of the storm, still going up. Oh, yeah, she's throwing out all the stops of, like, I'm afraid of the storm, Okay, I'll make out with you now. Yeah, and then she starts trying to pull that. None of it's working. Larry's determined to find this noise. Yeah, it's like, no, I kind of heard maybe some. Well, Frank's an idiot, and he's, like, stomping around the attic and, like, screaming. Well, I don't think Frank cares if he's discovered, though. Julie's the only one that cares if he's discovered. Yeah, well, because maybe, like, his brother's blood is, like, the best one for him, because that brought him back the most, so it's like, it has to be family. But he goes up there, opens the room where Frank would be. I guess he's hiding somewhere because you don't see Frank. You do see, but I don't think he does, some rats nailed to the wall. Yeah, where he's like, oh, it must have been a rat. And the, yeah, he definitely doesn't see the rats nailed to the wall. Where at this point, Frank has like snuck into um Julia and Larry's bedroom. Oh, yeah, because Larry and Julia start getting it on. Julia's not into it. And Frank's walking up behind them, and Julia's watching them the whole time, like, no, don't do it, don't do it. This is, this was it. This is where I'm like, Larry's kind of a guy, because she's like, stop, stop, I can't bear it. And Larry does not stop doing his thing. I'm like, 
okay, that's kind of illegal, I think, Larry. Why don't you take a step back, bud? So that was the one thing where he was kind of bad. But I don't know how much of this is real, how much of this is in her head, what's going on here. Yeah, where, yeah, if she's screaming, no, no, stop, stop, not now, it's like, okay, I'm out of the mood completely. <laughs> yeah, come on, Larry, read the room. Yeah. But Frank does not kill him there, and I, I don't think she loves Larry. I think she's like, I still feel bad for killing the guy I'm married to. Well, yeah, I think she feels bad for what she's done to Larry, but Frank has that, like, just mega dick that she cannot get over. Yeah. And so he's like, I don't get you, like, you're on one second, the next you're yelling at me to stop, leaves. And then it cuts to Larry and his daughter Kirstie at the Chinese restaurant, and he's explaining his marital problems and asks her to stop by and try to befriend her. Because she right. doesn't leave the house at all now, like something's going on. Yeah, she's upstairs with Slimy. Kirstie is a good daughter and does, but right when she gets to the house, she sees Julia going inside with her next victim. And I love that Julia does, like, almost the sitcom thing. She lets him in the house, turns around, and, like, does the, ugh, and then turns back around and puts her mask back on, pretty much. Yeah. Where and she like she's like looking around like very suspiciously, being like, "Does anyone see me?" Then she's like, "No, no one sees me." And it's like Kirsty's right there. Yeah, she's not hiding or anything. She's there. She's like, "Hi, I see you. What are? Who is that?" <laughs> um. So she goes up with him, and Frank kills him this time. This time, Julia doesn't have to do anything, but Kirsty goes inside and sees goes up, kind of like starts a big thing, and Frank takes her into the room. She fights back. And leaves with the box. But during this, am I reading too much into it? But I think this is pretty well. Was Frank sexually assaulting Kirsty as a kid? I mean, it's rare. It's very weird with like the come to daddy stuff. Yeah, and that she is not happy like about her uncle ever. Like it seems like, and I don't think I'm reading too much into. It. I'm pretty sure this is heavily implied, and a lot of movies wouldn't straight up say this kind of stuff. So I think that's what's going on. Yeah, well, especially, it's like, it's Uncle Frank, and she is not happy to see Uncle Frank. Well, and let alone, like, take away the, it's half of Uncle Frank, but still. Yeah. I also want to say, I feel really bad for this victim, because he doesn't even really get killed, right? It's not like he gets killed and then sucked dry. He's being sucked dry while he's alive. Yeah, it makes it worse. Where he, like, pops out later, like, when he's, like, half drunk, and then he's like, help me to Kirsty or whatever. <laughs> And then, oh yeah, we have to make sure, I know, I think I said it, but she, Kirstie does get away with the box. Yeah, she grabs it and runs out, out of the house. Yeah, I think she throws it through a window and then takes off after, which is a nice misdirect to get him to go after that and let you get away. Well done, Kirstie. Smartest person in a horror movie. Yeah, very, it's a very good idea of, like, she throws her through the window because she knows she's going to go grab it when she's downstairs. <laughs> Talking about Kirstie brought me to one of my things I was thinking about this movie, and I'll ask you, how do you like the acting in this movie? I mean, it's not bad. It's, there's some, like, Kirstie seems kind of like a little bit of a weird character because she's technically the final girl, but... There doesn't, for this kind of movie, it doesn't seem like there needs to be a final, like, quote-unquote, like, how the Friday the 13th and Halloween do, you know? I was gonna say, I think she's the only, like, good actress in the movie, or actor, and then the Cenobites are, but they don't have to do much. And other than that, everyone else seems like first day on movie set, kind of. 
Yeah, well, Larry is very kind of weird, and so is Frank, like how Frank acts and whatnot, like how he talks, and he's like this, and Julia, bring me another body. Yeah, she's the only one I could see really having a future, aside from Cenobites, like, out of this. I don't know if any of them went on to work more after this or not. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. But she passes out clutching the box and wakes up in a hospital, and then... She's all scared, and the doctor's like, do you know what this is? And this made me think this thing was getting taken to evidence or something, because he's like, well, I'm sure the police are going to have questions about when they get there. I have a question. Why are the police involved at all? Yeah, for all they know, they found a girl, I guess, passed out with a box. Yeah, why does this warrant the police? Why is the doctor holding the box? Like, put that with her possessions, like anyone else when they come to the hospital. Hey, you passed out. You feel it? Why are the police being called? Or it would be like today if, like, I passed out on the street with, like, my cell phone and the doctor comes in and he's like, do you want this back? And I'm like, yeah, it's mine. Why do you have it? Exactly. It's it's an odd moment here. Um, But then she starts playing with the box. Like, see if it jogs your memory. He leaves her. She's playing with it and it she gets it to do the weird thing where it starts having this lightning go everywhere. And this is cool, too, because her, like what is it, like, saline solution drip, like, into her IV? Like, when everything gets weird, like, blood runs back into it, and it explodes, and the TV gets weird, and this is cool. I like what's going on in the room when all this is happening. Yeah, it's really cool, and, like, so then this, like, passageway opens in the wall, and it's all these, like, it looks like medieval-type, like, architecture, where it's, like, columns and shit, and, like, Stuff like that, and arches and stuff, and she walks into it. Why would you ever go near? I'd be like, oh, fuck, no, get me out of this room. I don't want to go near that thing, because it's going to close as soon as I go in there. Exactly. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, turn it off. Turn it off. Throw this box away. No. Yeah. Nurse. Nurse. (laughs) Um, She does walk in, like you said, stupidly, and she's going down the hallway, and then she's chased back into the hospital by a monster it's not nearly as fast as i just made it sound because this chase goes on for quite some time to the point they show way too much of the monster yeah and you can see the wheels that it's on you i was gonna ask if you saw that where the monster is like really kind of cheesy looking and you can see also sometimes the people behind it pushing it you can see their shadows and shit yeah, so, one, it didn't need to go on this long, the chase, and then you could have cut out any moments like that where you can see it. You really can't. It's a cool-looking monster. It's tall, but you know that thing's not running, so it makes sense. Of course, it's on a track with wheels. It's going down a straight hallway, but lift the camera up a little, guys. Come on. Well, it's like a weird upside-down baby thing with, like, a scorpion tail. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I could honestly cut this entire monster out, and, like, it would probably go up a rating for me. Yeah, and this monster really doesn't have much to do with the rest of what we're told, but yeah, it's there. But then again, neither does the monster that we, the last monster we see in the movie. So there's some kind of thing in like the book, the uh, Hell- Hellbound Heart or something. I forget what it's called, but the book that this is based off of. That monster is like actually a big deal. Like it's like the head of like the underworld or something. But they made it just this weird thing that just pops out, like the pumpkin head thing at the end of Evil Dead 2. Yeah. At least that had some more explanation to it. Like, evil's gonna take its true form and flesh. You'll see it. We just don't know anything about this. 
Yeah, it's really weird. I do enjoy, though, when uh, Kirsty like, finally does outrun it and she gets back into the room and, like, the passage closes. But she can hear it on the other side of the wall trying to get in. I did like that. It wasn't just, it's done. No, it was cool that it's still, like, no, I'm going to try to get you. <laughs> yeah. Which I like to think that it just ended up in the next room over and someone over there is terrified right now. Yeah, it's just like a five-year-old. It's like Monsters, Inc., but like the X-rated version. Yeah, it's just trying to get through the wall to the other side, but you're standing there watching this in your bed like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. But Boo looks up, he, and she's like, kitty? As <laughs> 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 you can see the guys pushing them on the wheels, <laughs> who are they? Yeah, like Sully like opens the door, and he's like, oh, fuck, and closes it real quick. <laughs> Um, here's where we get, like, more, finally, like, a decent Cenobite scene, because they show up, and they're like, you opened the box, now, or you called us, now it's time, you know, they're like, you're coming with us, you did it, doesn't matter if you did it on purpose. Right, like, you called us, and we came, like, shit like yeah. that, and it's all these great one-liners from, uh, Pinhead and, like, the rest of them, where I love, like, Kirstie starts being like, I don't know who you are, I'm sorry, can I return this, like... <laughs> I'd like to point out when he said, she asked, who, I don't know who you are, and Pinhead replies with, angels to some, demons to others. I'm calling bullshit there. I have never seen the one where they open the box in their angel form. Well, no, I, that's almost, maybe it's like the, uh, it depends on, like, maybe if you're, like, an extremely evil person, this would be an angel to you. Uh, okay. We're like, you're like, yay! If we're leaning into Clive Barker's entire bondage metaphor that this is about, it's like how it's really taboo to some people, but some people love it. Yeah, with all the, yeah, with like the BDSM stuff and whatnot. Yeah, like I think honestly that's probably more what he's going for because he's, it's a pretty heavy handed metaphor. It's throughout this whole thing. Yeah, I love how it also cursed you at this point is like, um, I know where Frank is. Frank escaped you. And they're like, no, Frank didn't escape you. Uh, Frank can't escape us, and um, the lady Cenobite, because at this point, Pinhead's like, well, I want Frank back, and Lady Cenobite's like, no, I want Kirsty. <laughs> I would have loved if one of the Cenobites like, pulled out like a, a log book, like a chart, like, no, let's see, we haven't seen Frank in three weeks, what, where'd he go? Where's it? It's that fucking intern, I told you not to... <laughs> Butterball Cenobite, did you go to the buffet instead of watching Frank and he's like, I'm sorry, I got really hungry. <laughs> but yeah, so like, I'll take you to Frank, like, do that, maybe we'll spare your life or something like that. Butterball's like, I, Golden Corral got a chocolate fountain, I really wanted to check it out. <laughs> and then, so we get, uh, Kirsty goes back home, I guess she just runs out of the hospital, and she's like, Zoe and she's like, I want to see my dad, I want to see my dad. She's like, okay. And she goes to see her dad. This was supposed uh, to be a twist. This was a pretty, you see it right away twist, I think, though. Yeah, where it looks like a, it looks like a Larry mask that this person is wearing. Because there's like, my number one question would be like, Dad, why is your forehead and like ears bleeding? Why does it look like the back of your neck was opened and then resealed from the outside? Yeah, it literally looks like it's like Velcroed. I don't get how she doesn't notice it, but it's there. I think it's cool, though, but it also throws away the entire Frank premise out the window. He Blood comes down, he reforms. 
Why in the last one does he take the skin of someone else? Because at this point, you know, Larry, he's killed Larry. Yeah. Is it that Larry, he, like, drank, drunk Larry's blood and he turned into him? Or is it that he skinned him and is wearing a Larry suit, like, in Men in Black? I think that's what it is. It's an Edgar suit? Yeah, exactly. I think that's what's going on. Oh, so we could almost make this a quasi-inspired uh, by Ed Gein movie. Yeah, because we see the skin body. Because, um, not really Larry, Frank disguises Larry. He's like, I took care of Frank. I had to do it, but we'll call the police later. Maybe they'll understand. He takes Kirsty into the room, and you see the skin body laying there. She screams, and the Cenobites show up like, we want the man who did this. Come on, a little communication would save so much in this movie. Like, yeah. yes, I know you want the man who did this, but clearly she's confused. Say, hey, that's Frank. Get him. Yeah, being like, oh, it's like Penhead's like, sit down here for me real quick. This is your father. I'm sorry for your loss. Um, He will suffer with us in great orgasms of pain. And uh, Frank's downstairs. If you could just go grab him real quick for us, real quick sec, that'd be amazing. Thank you. We'll be right here. <laughs> he might look a lot like your dad right now with just some really loose, saggy skin for some reason. Yeah, yeah that'd be him. Yeah, I love how, like, when everyone leaves, Frank's, like, fixing, like, his eyeball. Yeah. But she obviously screams, like, no, that's my dad, runs away, and then all hell starts breaking loose. No pun intended. Yeah, where she runs downstairs, and it's just this really weird moment again where Frank, as Larry's like, come to daddy. Yeah, and then why does he do that? Because he kind of gives away what he's doing. She still doesn't realize when she runs out of that room with the Cenobites that that's Frank wearing her dad. No. Because she runs out thinking they want her dad for some reason. And then he kind of gives himself away, doesn't he, that he's Larry. Yeah, well, I mean, that he's not Larry. Yeah, when he starts being real creepy to her. I also did the line wrong. Frank goes up to Kirsty as Larry and is like, come. One, two, three. To daddy. <laughs> exactly. That's why I think it's super heavily implied what's going on there. Yeah. Um, and he goes to stab Kirsty when she realizes everything, and she moves out of the way the last second, and he accidentally stabs Julia, but he drains her of her life anyway. He never gave a fuck about her, just needs someone to go kill people for him. Well, yeah, and I, I forget what the line exactly is that he says to Julia, but it's almost like, ah, sorry, babe, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't care. Like, So let this be a lesson to you. If you find like an evil nervous system in an attic... Don't go kill for it because it doesn't care about you. No, even though it might have been like the best banging you've ever gotten, you can find a second best. Exactly. But I also like the weird sex scenes in this movie. It's not like it's like super like kind of romantic, but like between her and Frank, but it's also like extremely hardcore or something. It looks like he's just like, right like banging as hard as he can into her where it's like not <laughs> not like this would not feel good whatsoever he's jackhammering so hard where like the entire bed's like moving across the room apparently it's good enough to kill for that's all i'm saying yeah whereas like that's one of the way if you like slip out and try to go and it like bangs back up against you're gonna break your dick <laughs> That's how um, that we're, happens. We're getting us back on. We're getting too far off now. Uh, because Kirsty got away when he stabbed Julia. She's hiding. And then another one of these that comes up all the time. 
random victim just falls over when you're near one of the victims head tilts over spills maggots everywhere actually really cool looking i liked this oh yeah with this is when she's like hiding from frank in like that spare room i was talking about and i remembered it's been a little bit since i've seen this movie but i was like i think there's maggots in this scene like somewhere and i just sat there like in anticipation just being like i know there's maggots and and then when it happened i was still like oh jesus christ yep there it is fuck (laughs) frank finds her and is about to kill her because i think she made noise from the spilling maggot head and he's about to kill her but then the cenobites show up and they hook him and pull him apart and everything all that and then just says jesus wept Oh, we also forgot another, like, that's one of the best lines of the entire movie is Frank doing the Jesus wept thing. Also, I love it when uh, Kirstie's crying, like, earlier in the movie, and Pinhead's like, oh, no, don't cry. That's a waste of good suffering. (laughs) Yeah, it's so over the top, but it works. So many great lines. Like, I know I'm missing some, even. Oh, uh, we have such pleasures, uh, such pleasures to show you. You know all those things. Yeah. Um, they hook them. The whole Jesus wept line. Fun fact: shortest Bible verse in the Bible. Okay. Then the Cenobites are like, "Yeah, that whole you get us Frank, we leave you alone." Yeah, that was bullshit. And they start chasing Kirsty. We have such sights to show you. Yeah. Well, at first it's female Cenobite, which is what she's credited as. Which I yeah, think that's not really us cool looking. Yeah. Um, she's I, the most sci-fi looking one, I think. Like she's the one that yeah. makes sense is the space one. I love when um that scene when they were in the hospital with Kirsty and the you can just see the female Cenobite because her like throat's open where her like voice box is exposed. And she's yeah. like rubbing her voice box and like humming. Yeah, like she's, yeah. well she probably has like a hook in it, so or it's, I wonder if her thing was like, because later on we find out it's like, whatever your like big thing was when you become a Cenobite later on, like in the movies, that's what your thing is. I wonder if she was like a singer or something, maybe. Oh, that could be something like that. That's what I took as that. And then of course, like Butterball, I would say is like a glutton. <laughs> you don't say for that yeah. one. I do like that though. That's cool. Like a nice fan theory. I like it. I'll, I'm going to take that as my own headcanon now. I don't know Chatterer, like the Chatterer. I don't know what he would have been. He's a podcaster. Yeah, holy shit. That's that's the podcasting Cenobite, yeah. Because he has no eyes, but just a giant mouth. Yeah, there were no podcasts yet, but yeah. He's a radio host Cenobite. (laughs) Exactly, that's what he was. Howard Stern died, and that's where he went. (laughs) That's why he sucks now. It's not the real Howard Stern. Is Howard Stern still doing shit? Yes, unfortunately. He should have retired 10 years ago. Now he sucks. Oh, he's on Sirius, isn't he? Yeah, he's on Sirius XM, which, okay, that's little it. side tangent, I used to be the biggest Howard Stern fan. You remember, I loved him. My ringstone is still Baba Booey. Like, I, yeah, I know, whenever I'm with you and you get a text, I hear the Baba Booey. Yeah, but now he's just so, like, and there's nothing wrong with being politically correct, but he's just so... 180 from what he used to be where he's not fun anymore all he does is complain oh i haven't listened to howard stern in like 10 years i don't know yeah well once Artie left that was it that it was done uh but back to hellraiser <laughs> yeah so their chaser she closes the box it like makes it square again and yells go to hell and pinhead vanishes first he's banished back to hell i guess then female cinnabite vanishes and goes back to hell i guess and then the house starts collapsing, and the chattering one also disappears. 
why does her boyfriend show up here? I don't know, but he shows up right as stuff's getting destroyed. And the fat one almost gets him. Almost gets the boyfriend, but then the house falls on the... What's he called? The Butterball Cenobite. Yeah, Butterball. Butterball almost had him, but then he's like, do I smell a delicious chocolate in this kitchen? And he got (laughs) distracted. And then the box changes like on its own, like starts shifting around, and the hospital scorpion creature on wheels appears again. Weird baby scorpion with his henchmen that we never really are supposed to see are pushing his cart towards the door. <laughs> yes, but then she just closes the box and it disappears pretty easily, honestly, and they yeah. escape the house. It's a, I love this movie, but it's a little anticlimactic at the end. Yeah, the thing that's the most obvious is the thing that works. Oh, just close the box. Okay. Yeah, and it makes them all go away. And then what is this place they go to? Because they show up at this place, I don't know if it's a beach or a lot or what, but it's just all these random little fires. I thought it was the house at first, like, fell down, but no, there's somewhere else they went, like, and they throw the box into the fire, and ancient artifact that can summon from other dimensions, really, you think, and it's metal for one, you think that's just gonna burn. Yeah, it's like, I in, like, Evil Dead, I get why they tried to burn the book, because it's a book. Yeah, this is, like, a metal-looking cube. And I would be like, okay, let's take this maybe to a museum and see if they know what it is. No, let's just throw it in this random lot. Yeah, you can get paid 30 grand, we found out, to give it to someone else to be tortured with. Exactly. Be able to put it up on eBay, like, keep it for 10 years, throw it on eBay... Yeah, let the value increase a bit, you know. You know what I did? It reminded me of that I actually appreciated what this other movie did. You remember It Chapter 2 when they all have to, like, burn their totem thing or whatever at the end, like, something that meant a lot to them? Yeah. And Mike goes to burn the rock that they were in the rock fight with. And I love that they point out, like, that's not going to burn. That's what I wanted a line right here saying something like that. Yeah, where the boyfriend's like, are you serious? Yeah, but so they do throw it into the fire, and then the scary homeless man shows up, reaches into the fire, and takes it, and there's no other way to say it. He just turns into a demon skeleton dragon thing and flies away. And I guess he flies the box back to the merchant from the very beginning that sold Frank the box, because now the box is back in his possession, and he's selling it to someone else. I thought it was back to... I thought that was the same scene. I thought it was selling it to Frank. No, because I was trying to... I thought that as well, too. Unless... Because the guy looks way too different from what I think Frank looked like. Oh, okay. I thought it was just, like, showing, like, this is what's happening after he gets the box, even though we just saw it. But I'm not sure. I I only saw fully skinned Frank, like, one other time, so I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the ending. Homeless guy who's been creepy throughout the movie... Turns into a dragon and flies away with the box. Merchant. We see the merchant with it again. Well, and it's like, what's the what's that um like fifties movie? Is it Clash of the Titans when it's the stop motion skeletons? Yeah, yeah. It looks like that. And all of a sudden, for for like five seconds at the end, it becomes Clash of the Titans looking because it's really weird and like janky and like animated and whatnot. It reminds me of like an Evil Dead too, like the opening animations and stuff like that. Yeah. And that then credits, and that's Hellraiser. Yeah, that's the first Hellraiser. (laughs) Terrible ending. Terrible ending. Not even just the dragon demon thing and the merchant. Like, even just shutting the box sends them all away. 
Yeah, or like even if the box, like shutting the box, sends them all away. Have them go away in a better way than it's just like neon lights and them screaming. Then they just disappear. Like this entire movie's been so like body horror heavy. Have them like melt into the floor or something. Well, also it contradicts what Pinhead says earlier. No, you called us. We came. Like you had to deal with them now. And she still has. And then the box is just doing random shit. So can couldn't pinhead just be like okay i'm back now yeah uh whatever uh that's hellraiser guys you want to get an end of episode stuff brett yeah <laughs> all right so the throbbing horror count of the dead is where we count all the deaths in this movie we add to our grand total for all the other movies we've done last week we did spookies it left us with a count of the dead of 493 where do you think hellraiser <laughs> left us uh, one count of the dead, ah, ah, ah. Two count of the dead, ah, ah, ah. Um, let's see, I, I'm trying to think. There, I know there's the three victims. There's Frank, Julia, Larry. I'm going to go one more. I'm going to say seven. So you're going to go seven that puts it at an even 500? Yeah. You were, you had it! Why do you add the extra one? We had six! There's always one that I forget. No, you had it. I was so excited. Like, oh, he got it. He got it. And then he just added one that didn't exist. So we're, we're at 499. We are at 499, which how oh, appropriate is this? We're going into episode 50 next week with 499. So <laughs> I'm guessing we're crossing that 500 line. Fuck. Like, that's what I really wanted is I wanted to get to 500 today. Nope. 499. Missed it by one. Six kills in Hellraiser. All right. Well, six, most of them very, very good great kills <laughs> yeah um so every week greg does his count of the dead ah 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 and i like to do my rating system but i don't like to do stars because joe bob does stars and he's sacred and cisco and ebert did stars sometimes and fuck them <laughs> i like to do something one through ten from this movie and i don't think of what that thing's going to be until this moment i'm trying to think what would be great it's too easy to say puzzle boxes it's too easy to say, like, that knife thing that he has. What's something, like, weird that I could do? <laughs> Are you asking? Well, no, I'm just, I'm thinking okay. out loud. I guess you could do hooks. Yeah, let's do hooks. Hooks sound good. Okay. Hooks works. So, one hook, it's like a really one of those, like, shitty, like, Fisher Price, like, fishing poles, and it has, like, a plastic hook on the end of it, so it does nothing. Like, there's no, you try to, like, mess with it a little bit, and it immediately breaks. You're not hooking anyone across dimensions with that. No, you're not even hooking a fish with that. <laughs> um, ten hooks. God, what would be like... Oh, there's like the hook that uh, Captain Hook has from like uh, the Robin Williams hook. I was like, ten hooks is the movie hook. Yeah, ten hooks is the movie hook. <laughs> but, but especially, I forget who plays uh, Captain Hook in that movie. I just love his deliverance where he's like don't try to stop me smee do not try to stop me speed though do not try to stop me S stop me smee you better stop me i'm trying to commit suicide <laughs> <laughs> so 10 hooks is captain hooks hook i'm gonna say okay i mean this movie i was so back and forth different times with this where like at certain points i'm like holy shit this is a 10 and then weird baby scorpion would happen and i'm like okay this is like a seven I'm going to probably put it around eight hooks. Okay. 
I would say if they had changed that ending and made it a little bit more interesting, I don't really think like I, I like the character of Kirsty, but I think they could have done something different for her than just like the final girl route. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that later on they have to like, oh yeah, f- uh, fuck, we forgot about Steve, her boyfriend. What do we do with him? Just have him leave the movie and we don't know. No, just have shoehorn him in, throw him in there. Well, they didn't even need to put him back in. Like, it's just have, she has a boyfriend. He's not. They don't live together, so he doesn't have to be there 24-7. The end just happens when he's not there. Yeah, exactly. It, it was really weird that, yeah, like, he just randomly shows up again. Yeah. Um, all those things you said brought it down a little more for me. I took it to a six and a half out of ten hooks. Okay. It's above passing. It's I appreciate what it did for the franchise. I like a lot of the special effects, but... Man, a lot of it, and not all of it, a lot of it's a mess. Yeah. I like it. I like the body horror stuff in it, but the bad acting, the the non-ending, and just some of the weird choices, like seeing the guys push the monster on its cart, just yeah. kept dropping and dropping for me. And then, But then it's really hard because like Doug Bradley like, will then just start like throwing out these amazing one-liners, and you're like, holy shit, this is awesome. Things like that are what brings it from a failing score to a passing score, for sure, for me. Because yeah. I can't say anything bad about that at all. Like, I can't say enough good about Doug Bradley's creepy pinhead. I love it. Yeah, but Baby Scorpion is just like, what? And then it's like, okay, yeah. that kind of takes away a little bit. So, yeah, that's fair. Yep. All right, so this is episode 49. So, listeners, next week means we've hit episode 50, and for those who really follow the show, you know we missed two episodes in the past year, so hey, happy one year to us next week! Yeah, I cannot believe it's been one year, and, I mean, good on us for only missing two episodes for an entire year. Yeah, we know what's up. We're good. And that was uh, that was at the very beginning. That was in, like, last November. Yeah, we started in September, and yeah, so less than three months in. Yeah, which I cannot, I, A, I can't believe it's been a year, B, like, I, we'll get into it more on next episode, because it's the episode, but it's been so much fun. Oh, I love doing this, it's a great time. And so what movie did we decide to do to mark this episode 50 moment, Brett? I mean, it has to be an epic kind of movie, like, episode 25, we did Plan 9, because that's kind of, you know, it's the quarter of your the way through the year kind of episode you know yeah and that was well, been halfway through the year well ha- yeah halfway because at first i wanted to maybe do plan nine for our one year but i didn't want to wait that long to do it yeah so it's like what's another giant movie like that that you could do it's like frankenstein meets the wolfman you know like oh that's great but let's do something a little bit more modern and what have we been talking about almost non-stop on this show from the beginning is jason yeah and so what's a jason movie that had more hype behind than any other jason movie to ever exist that they they had been talking about since after part six and that's why we got freddy uh fuck (laughs) Uh, you you guys know what it is now freddy versus jason yeah, that's what. Uh, that's why we got Jason versus Carrie no- uh, knockoff in part seven. Is because they're like, oh, let's do Jason versus people. Yeah, and I wish they would have kept going, but at least got the rights to do more. But yeah, this will be a fun one. If you've seen the movie, you know the movie, so it'll be a nice time. I, I can't wait for it. It'll be a fun episode to do. 
yeah, this is going to be another one of those ones where it's just all over the place with, with how I feel from, like, scene to scene. <laughs> yeah. So strap in. It's going to be a long one. Yeah, well, I cannot come. I cannot wait to come back next week with our one year celebration. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got. What about you? Yeah, that's all I have. Um, you follow us on all the socials. Basically, search "Throbbing with Horror." You'll find our logo. We're there. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a TikTok. I haven't posted on it since God April, I think. So, but we're yeah. still on there. Yeah, it's there. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week with uh, Freddy vs. Jason, and we hope that Hellraiser has left your brain throbbing with horror.